Hello, friends. Welcome to the Angels and Awakening podcast. My name's Julie Jancis, and I'm your host. I'm an angel messenger. I bring through messages for my clients every day from their angels, guides, and loved ones. Today, we have an amazing author on the show. She just wrote her first book, This Is Where You Pivot. Her name is Elizabeth Miles, and you're going to be hearing from her soon. We go through a great conversation, not only about her book, but about the challenges that we are all facing in bridging our humanness with our spirituality. How do we allow ourselves to be human? How do we come out of the pain body, the pain that we all feel in order to forgive to bring more love into our lives, and to connect much more deeply with our soul self. We're talking about all of this today, but before we dive into that, I wanted you to know that the next Angel School is coming up on November 16th and 17th. That's a weekend in November, a Saturday and Sunday. If you'd like to get registered for that, please email me and let me know. There's also more information on my website if you go to the Courses tab. Also, I just want to thank everybody for sharing this podcast with your friends, for sharing it on social media. Your help has been really helping us to reach more people, and it's just amazing. In the last couple of weeks, Our numbers have increased by almost 50% again. It's amazingly incredible. So thank you so, so much for sharing this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you so much for allowing us to reach more people. While you're listening to this show, if you want to connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, you can do so. All you have to type in is at angel podcast that's the at sign angel podcast don't forget to friend me over on facebook so that you can see when i go live with videos my name over on facebook is julie harris jancis j-a-n-c-i-u-s okay friends without further ado here is the interview Hello, everyone. In today's podcast, we have author Elizabeth Miles. Elizabeth believes that everyone has the power to chart their own path in life based on their own rules, hopes, and desires. Liz has a bachelor's degree in psychology as well as her master's in business administration. She is an entrepreneur, a baker who just recently sold her own bakery. Um, Liz, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you today. Yeah, and this is funny because um, our most recent interview right before this with what was with a woman named Liz as well. So I don't want the listeners to think that they're listening to the same interview. This is a different interview with another Liz. Yes, that was an awesome <laughs> interview too, by the way. <laughs> oh, um, thank you. Uh, but yeah, different Liz. We do different things. All good. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so Liz is an author. She just wrote the book, This is Where You Pivot, The Shift from Fear to Freedom. 
It's a book that's on Amazon, on Kindle. It's all over right now. And I I just love this book. I really love the word pivot too because life is just all about transformation and allowing that change in our life every day. But as I was reading this book, it really occurred to me, this book is your journey of spiritual awakening. True? Yes. Yep, absolutely. And it, you know, I, when I wrote the book, um, it was literally the start of, or I had been on this transformation for a couple of years and working with a coach and understanding about energy and healing and how to tap into um, you know, my higher self and the other side and my angels and, and really starting to understand that I had this team that could help me at any point. And, you know, in the book, I talk about this journey to this mountain and literally hearing the voice, this is where you pivot and not really knowing what it meant. But by the time that journey was over, I got it. And so in the book, it takes, you know, the reader through things that I have gone through in life, points that I could have pivoted. Um, and and really, I, my, my hope is that the takeaway would be you, everyone has the power to create that life that you so love. And at any given moment, we're given this tremendous opportunity to connect with ourselves and our higher self, I should say, and, and make new choices that will chart a new path. Yeah. Completely. Because you go through the book and throughout the book, you're talking about different points in your life that really impacted you maybe more than even other people who had these actions that were hurting you even truly realized. And and sometimes those cause this pain within our bodies that is hard to get unstuck from, right? Um, how did you kind of work through that? It it took a um, it was a journey. I don't want to say it was hard because it was, I mean, it, it wasn't easy, but um, it was a journey for sure. And it took me a really long time to really make that connection of just how it was impacting me physically. Um, and I, I've I talk in the book about this, so I, you know I've grown up with weight issues, and and I've had a lot of medical issues that were medically undiagnosable. Um, and that, when I started working with an energy healer, you know, understanding that those stored emotions were literally trapped <laughs> in my body, um, and through the healings and and being able to let those emotions out a lot of those physical symptoms started to go away. And, you know, at first I had been to, to therapy, I had been to the doctor, I was on a lot of different medications that were for things that they really couldn't tell me were actually wrong with me. And I wasn't comfortable with that. So I kept digging deeper and trying to figure this out, which is ultimately how I got to the point of finding someone who could really introduce me to energy and healing in a way that, really resonated with me yeah and this is something that i see every day which is why i love this book so much because um what spirit shows me is that if you were to look at the soul it looks like you taking the sun making it pure white 
light but just as vibrant and radiant and shrink it down to about the size of a grapefruit and kind of put it in your chest. Um, we hold energy as souls, and that is what they show me our energy looks like as souls. But that light shines out in every direction. And what Spirit says is that you would think that where energy is created is right in the heart of that light center, right? But it's not. It comes through the outer edges of the auric field closer and closer and closer towards the body because the body is the physical manifestation. It is the physical, um, what we manifest and the things that we go through in our life, if we don't work through them, they come closer, closer, closer into the body where then they work into the body, the chakras, and become this physically accumulated pain that we're, we're storing and we have to work out, but they are so closely tied to the experiences that we've been through, the thoughts, feelings, and emotions that we haven't worked through yet. Um, I'm wondering if you can talk to us a little bit, Liz, because you went through, and I I have a fear of heights. I always have. I don't know why, but if I'm watching a movie and somebody's, like, standing um, on a ledge or something, <laughs> something starts to physically happen to my body. I'm pretty sure I passed away from a fall in a past life because I I almost can't handle it. I have to get up and walk away from the movie when I see this. But your book talks about you and your husband and the stuff that you were going through as a couple at the time. And he took you to this mountain to climb this mountain. And I was having heart palpitations for you as you're talking (laughs) about being on the ledge. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> but but I'd love for you to share more about where you were at in your marriage and how you relate this journey up this mountain to your spiritual awakening. Sure. So, so yes, we've been married um, almost 20 years at this point, um, and we, we were not in, in a particularly good place when we got to the mountain. And the, the trip itself was one of trying to, to kind of help us reconnect. We got engaged on a camping trip on a similar hike in another location, and it was all about just coming back together and reconnecting uh, so that we could figure out a strategy for how we were going to continue on on our path together. And it is so funny because I am usually not one to, to – when it comes to my vacations, I, I like to kind of hold that and, and protect my experience. But this time, I was like, you know what? You plan the trip. Just tell me where to go. I I don't just tell me when I need to be ready and what shoes to pack, and I'll be happy. <laughs> and and that was very different for me. I don't know where. Well, I guess it came from spirit ultimately. But um, so he planned this whole trip. We were we were camping, and like I said, I got to the. Um, we got to the campsite. I heard this is where you pivot. We were standing on this mountain near the waterfall. I was scared out of my mind. You know, uh, hiking this mountain was uh, not something that I was expecting. When I think of hiking, usually I think, you know, you start at one end of the path, you get to the other end, it's flat, it's paved, and and it's easy, quote unquote. Uh, it may not be quick, but it's it's not a strenuous journey. And he took hiking in a completely different direction. So I was not 
mentally prepared. And when I got to that mountain that day, there was literally a sign that said danger. People have been known to die from this. And I immediately went into, I can't do this. You know, I'm not physically able to do this. Who am I? And I started going into that kind of judgment and of myself, thinking everybody around me was judging me, which looking back on it after, I realized there really weren't, wasn't anybody else there to be judging like me. You know, no one really cared. There wasn't really anybody there. So in terms of the spiritual journey, like I, I it was very much, I know I was called there that day to make a pivot in multiple ways. And what I have come to see is that that spiritual journey is literally like climbing a mountain because we go through these experiences in our lives where maybe we are feeling stuck and we are kind of in that judgment and blame of ourselves or maybe somebody else or, you know, we keep going through this hamster wheel and we can always come back to our guides and our spirits and we don't know it when we're going through it. And then ultimately you get to this point, you know, the summit, and and you realize that you have this guidance available to you. And once you realize that, you can settle in and things become a lot easier. And I noticed that in this particular hike, like once I was able to really kind of get over myself, but kind of also connect in, I could breathe, I could laugh, I could recognize that I was standing in this beautiful park. Um, and it's not that it was easy, but it wasn't terrifying and painful because I knew I had my guides and angels with me. So I feel like we go through these experiences in life very much in a similar fashion, like we're climbing a mountain. And once we realize that we're not alone because we have our team with us, we're able to get where we need to go a whole lot easier. Yes. Absolutely. I find a lot of times um, that people are able to make that transition and that shift in their lives. Sometimes what I see is that people get stuck. When I've heard Eckhart Tolle talk about the pain body, and as I've gone through my spiritual awakening, what's happened is spirit has brought a couple of instances in my life where, and everybody has these throughout your life, right, where something triggers you, it feels like a thorn in your side, and it could be something small, but it is a trigger for you, and the mind doesn't want to stop ruminating about it, you feel so much pain in the body, you might have these intense hurt feelings, and I like in your book how you talk about judgment, because you do kind of talk about how to get through this. I And I really love, too, Chapter 10, you call it Between Connection and Judgment. You talk about your daughter. The interaction impacted my choices as a parent because I was so afraid and so stuck in a cycle of needing to control every situation around me. Who hasn't been there? Side note. Um, that's just me saying that. But you go on to say, well, I was doing my best my choices almost cost me my relationship with my daughter. There is this notion that teenagers go from peaceful, nice kids to hellraisers in the blink of an eye. Going through it with my daughter, I probably would have agreed with this statement. Looking back, I can recognize that her hell-raising days stemmed from the pain and confusion she felt 
because of the choices I was making in my life. She, too, was very much aware of my husband's behavior, which I didn't know at the time. As she watched events unfold, she did not know what to believe or whom to trust. She was scared, and while I was her mom and should have been taking care of her, I was lost in my own issues. Eventually, she started acting out, skipping school, began experimenting with drugs, ran away a few times, and wanted to try to be emancipated emancipated at the age of 16. Between the ages of 14 and 18, the house was chaotic and loud. We spent months in family therapy. Fortunately, we were able to to reconnect, but it came only after I was willing and able to hear things from her perspective and understand what she was going through all those years. Before we could be able to find a better connection, we had to tear down the walls of judgment that we had built and start to understand one another in another way, or at least try. As a mom, it was difficult to hear the things she had to say, but I had to suck it up because I loved my daughter and wanted our relationship to grow stronger. I had to set aside my judgment of her and of myself and be open to whatever it was She needed to let go of so that she could heal. Learning to listen became a a huge component that I and we had lost. Those words just resonated with me so, so deeply. And I was wondering if you could talk to us about that time in your life because it seems to be something common that I've seen within myself and with other people that it's you being affected by the pain body, right? And we get stuck and we don't want to change. But how do we let go of that pain within ourselves, that hurt within ourselves, in order to help others find that healing with us as well? Yeah, this was um, this was something that I struggled with, you know, for a long time. And it was going through... It took me a, a while. I didn't really realize, I guess, for a long time what she knew. And we just, we know that being a teenager is hard. And just because that's the time in your life when, you know, you're kind of between childhood and adulthood. And it's confusing just in its own right. And she was carrying with her a tremendous amount of confusion and pain from her childhood that I I didn't I wasn't even aware of but because I was so stuck in my own shame and blame and doom and gloom I couldn't hear her and part of that for me was I was worried that well I guess the ironic part was I was worried that I was going to mess her up even though I knew I already did <laughs> in some way you know that mommy guilt um but I didn't really know how deep that really flowed. And because I was just stuck and was in so much pain, it was like my ears were turned off. Well, I guess I should say my my ears were turned on, but my heart was turned off. And I really needed to just let that go. And when I realized I was judging myself and her and judging her situation when I'd had no basis to really make 
any determination because I had no idea how much pain she was truly in. We could put our armor down and find some peace that allowed us to get some breathing room and some space so that we could continue to heal. And it's still a process. I mean, this went on for in terms of how she was acting out for a good four years. And, you know, we're now, we're at a good place now, but there's still those lingering um, issues that pop up every now and then. And I have to remind myself, to take a deep breath and, you know, ask for guidance on how I can help her and remember to ask her, how can I best help you? And sometimes she doesn't know what that is. Um, She's sort of in a place in her life now where she's, I think, starting to maybe awaken herself, but I still have to remember that I don't know what she's going through and I and I have to give her that space. I can hold space for her and when she's ready we can have a conversation about it. But I don't need to well one, I don't need to let that affect me. And at the time it really was for a number of reasons. Um you know, I can let her be upset because she's upset and she's entitled to that and allow that without having to fix it or change it for her and just let her experience that. And not that I want anyone to go through pain, but if if someone else is coming in and swooping in and trying to to heal that for us, we actually are not able to heal because we're not able to feel it. It gets you know, shut down or pushed away or, or the attention's taken off of it. And who do you mean? Like if, if somebody else comes and swoops in? Well, so in my case, um, I wanted anyone else to come in and uh, like relieve my pain. Um, and in that I was, in terms of the book, was talking more so of like, I wanted the pain of my relationship to stop. I I wanted to stop feeling literally in pain, and therefore I did not want to to see what I was doing to myself. I didn't want to feel that pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, in in terms of my relationship with her, I I knew she was upset, but I didn't know why, and I just wanted to fix it. But what she really needed was to let it out. And until that could happen, that healing couldn't take place. So me trying to swoop in and rescue her just for the sake of being able to fix it wasn't really beneficial to her. Right. Does that make sense? Because that's what you needed to fix it within you, but the way that she needed to fix it for herself was something completely different. Yes. Yep, exactly. So once we were able to kind of both put our armor down and stop the fighting and get a little bit of peace. I was able to get some clarity about that. And and then, you know, even looking back now, that's something that I still have to remind myself because I want to swoop in and I don't like to see people go through pain. And, and I certainly don't want anybody going through a traumatic situation or, or any pain or hurt or suffering. But at the same time, we're all, you know, in order to heal from our own pain, we need to, to be able to bring it up and let it go. And until that can happen, I I believe that it's it makes it harder 
in terms of the healing process. Yeah, and I've actually really struggled the, this year with the terms let it go because it so often made me feel like with the things that I was going through, like I said before, Spirit has brought up these different situations in my life over the last couple of years where I would just, something would happen, and it wasn't life or death, it wasn't the hugest thing, um, but to me, it hurt my feelings to the nth degree. And that's the ego, right? I knew, I knew from my soul self that I could separate and I was watching the ego go through this process. But this process was happening within my own body, right? Of feeling the intense hurt. And when you feel the intense hurt, it connects with these thoughts in your brain. Your brain starts ruminating on the situation and the way that we all want it to be fixed is all different for all of us, but I tend to just want somebody to say they're sorry, right? To just say they're sorry so that I know that they hear me, they see me, they know they hurt me, and then we can move on. But so often in this life, um, we can't force another person to do that. We can't force another person to say that sorry. So I've had to learn myself over the last couple of years that I can stand in my box and have those hurt feelings. That is the way that I am perceiving those actions. But somebody else can stand in their box and say, I would still make the same decision I made, even though it hurt you, because this is the best decision for me. So I really relied on the work of Byron Katie. Do you know who she is? I don't know that I do. That's okay. I'm going to have um, one of her facilitators on the podcast coming up next week. And the reason that I'm bringing all of this up is I'm actually looking for listeners who would like to work with a Byron Katie facilitator um, on the podcast going through something that is affecting you, um, impacting your pain body where you are just feeling hurt. It might be from um, a significant other. It might be from a mother-in-law, a father-in-law. You know what? I love it when I listen to Eckhart Tolle and he says, if you think you're so enlightened, go spend a weekend with your family. And if you still think you're enlightened after that weekend with your family, when you know, right? Because it's your family that so often just triggers those pain points within us. But I'm saying all of this because if there's anybody out there listening who wants to be a part of this process of working through something that you're going through in your life on the air, um, and we won't use your name, we won't use other people's names, um, you can totally be anonymous. We do have that available. All you have to do is email me right now. Um, But yeah, jumping back to your book, Elizabeth, what do you think are the biggest challenges to people when they're awakening and when they are trying to release that self-judgment? Oh, (laughs) that's a good question. So for me, my Through my awakening process, I had to almost suspend my disbelief because everything that I knew, in a way, had to kind of be questioned. 
and challenged or thrown away. You know, I was raised in a household with, um, am I able to say, like, I was raised in a Catholic family? Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Can I say that? Okay. Yeah, I was um, raised in a Catholic family. <laughs> okay. All right. So I was raised in a Catholic family, and, you know, we we didn't really make God or source or energy. Like, this wasn't part of what I was taught. You know, right. we went to church, we followed the Ten Commandments, we and we went to church on Sunday, and that was basically it. Um, there was the concept of angels, but not in the sense of they're always around you and you can call on them for help. They were, you know, the way I was taught was there, you know, you fear God, and that's kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so going through my awakening process I, you, I, it forced me to challenge all of that. And it was really a confusing time in the beginning. I kind of, I think after the first time I had my very first Reiki session, I, I remember telling the practitioner when I, I stood up, like I literally felt like I was opening my eyes for the first time and everything was new at that point. And that's kind of the way I feel about the start of that process because it was almost like Bambi, like I couldn't walk, you know, I didn't know what to say. It was uncomfortable. I didn't know the language. I felt literally like a fish out of water. And it can be scary because you're challenging all these concepts and questions and thoughts that you've grown up learning and believing one way or another. And then as you go through that awakening, there there may or may not be people in your corner that want to walk that walk with you. So for me, it was really, um, it felt a little bit lonely at first because I didn't feel like I could call on the people, like literally in my physical surroundings, like my family, because they weren't going through it either or, um, at that point. So it was it was not easy. I had to kind of quiet the mind a little bit. I had to be open. I knew what I was going through felt right. Like, it just felt like the right path, but I didn't know why. And I think that it gets, for us as humans, like, our brain, like, instantly wants to take over and go, why, 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 why did that happen? And we question and we look for those, like, tangible things that we can hold on to to create meaning from a situation. And sometimes there really just isn't. That was hard for me to let go of. Yeah. I could totally see that. I felt alone a lot in my awakening journey as well, and I didn't feel like I had anywhere to turn to or anybody really to talk to about it except for my spiritual teachers. Um, So we actually created on Facebook a group. It's a private group. It's called Angels and Awakening Podcast Tribe. And if anybody out there is feeling that same way of the loneliness of going through this awakening by yourself, don't feel like you're alone because you're not alone. There are so many of us right there with you. You can go on Facebook, go on Facebook, join that group and find people who are like you who are awakening that you can post questions to or stories to and find the support and that love that you're seeking. I love that. I think I I love that for so many reasons. Um, one of the things that I talk a lot about um, is feeling stuck, lost, and alone. And to know that there's a place where you can go, 
online and get that support because people are going through it too. It just makes it so much, it's less overwhelming because there's someone that you can just always go on and, and read a comment or see that, hey, someone else is going through this too. And it's really hard. It can be challenging to put like names to things that are happening to you. I didn't really understand intuition or, you know, the the clairvoyance or the clairaudience. I didn't understand what any of that meant at first. So, you know, just to be able to pose questions online to someone who's, you know, been there or going through it is so, so great. So I, I hope that your listeners are able to get on there and, and join the tribe because it's it's so valuable. And And then you make these lasting friendships with people that, you know, can really help you or and vice versa it can turn into a great friendship. So Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. I love that. You know, I'm wondering too, so you um have been an entrepreneur, you owned your own bakery and you just sold that. And I've seen so many clients in my life who I love the word pivot with your book, right? Because that's what it is. We go through these huge transformations in our life. And some people just don't want to have that change. They'd be more willing to be stuck and uncomfortable and frustrated in their life instead of stepping out of that comfort zone and going through that transformation. But you are a person who, who's who got down pivoting and transformation in your life, and I'm just wondering how you did that. Well, um, so going through this, like the awakening process was like a huge component of that. So I I owned my own bakery for three years. Within that, getting started as a small business, um, I, I remember very early on there were points in the business where I was sitting in my kitchen, you know, my kitchen space, not my kitchen at my house, but telling, you know, my husband, I need to pivot. I need, to, like I would use that word and we it's so easy like you said to get stuck in the plan you know this was the plan i wrote this business plan or or this wasn't the plan for my life and we forget that we can make these small changes um but for me i i always felt i when i was a kid everyone told me you're a great baker you should be a baker when you got older when you grow up and i kind of went okay like i didn't really have a lot of guidance about what i wanted to do um, I knew I wanted to help people. That's why my degree was in psychology. But and I worked a whole lot of jobs, you know, in corporate business type stuff, leading up to me going to culinary school. Um, there was always this fear about actually jumping in and getting started. But ultimately, when I got started in my business, I had this vision of this cafe um, with the big comfy couches and the big mugs. And when I began I was like this is this is not what I envisioned and I and I thought that was wrong for a long time like I didn't I had to remind myself to respect and honor the process of the growth for where I was at um and then at specific points sitting there going okay what do I need to do because I want to continue in this business but I can't continue in the way that I am right now um and that was for a number of reasons and time and energy it was not financially working out but I knew that I didn't want to give up on that dream so I just started to have started to have real conversations with myself about 
what is happening that is not working and allowing myself to be really crystal clear about that. Is it that I don't love this work anymore or that I love it but I have to change something fundamentally about how this is operating at the moment? And at the time, it was just more so that I loved the work, I wanted to continue and find a new opportunity or a new mindset or, you know, a new way to, a new way to make the recipe, you know, or whatever, or new packaging. Um, There was always something, there was always a learning curve. And at the end of it, when, you know, I finally got to this point uh, a couple months back where I liked the work but realized, and this is where the spiritual awakening came in, I also recognized that I was doing the work that someone else told me I should do. Mm-hmm. And I I liked it for the wrong reasons. Um, yeah. I wanted to make people happy, but when somebody asked me at one point, you know, kind of early on in my business, and this was the point of the start of the awakening, why do you do what you do? And I I kind of, at that space where I was then, knew I needed to know why I did what I did, but I came at that answer from a defensive, almost like she was knocking my business, not as she's trying to help me. And it was a very uncomfortable experience because I ultimately couldn't answer her. Um, Mm -hmm. We were going layers deep with why I did what I did. And I had to come up with the very honest conclusion of I wanted to make people happy. But the why of why that was, was a very deep and soul-searching kind of why. So coming to that awareness of my business was something that, somebody else envisioned for me, mm-hmm. I knew that was a big pivot. <laughs> There's lots yeah. of little pivots that we can make in life, but that was a big pivot. And I had to let go, be willing to kind of take off the baker's hat and figure out what else am I here for? What was working? What did I enjoy? What did I love? And And I came back to, you know, the teaching aspect and and helping people and that's where I was able to to kind of start you know I guess anew you know start all over again because I want people to to feel good in their experiences and and feel good in their lives and know that they can heal from whatever it is that may be holding them back Um, Mm -hmm. everyone has dreams we all want something and at any given point, you can start in a new direction. And I guess the biggest takeaway, too, that I, I want people to know is it doesn't have to be those big shifts. We think of changing in life in terms of a divorce or changing or a new house or a new baby, like these big monumental things that happen. Some are good, some are bad. But ultimately, it could literally be as simple as I want to find an hour a week for me to take a class so that I feel like I'm continuing on, you know, in my knowledge for whatever, or I want to take an, a class, a painting class, because I think it's fun. You know, right. the pivot can also be something really, it's not small, but it is small because it's something for you that makes you feel fulfilled 
it doesn't have to involve, you know, selling your business or changing careers. Right, right. So just so that you can feel that passion again because it feels good to be passionate about something or light up about something when we're doing it. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And, and we're everyone's so busy all the time. There's so always so many things that we have to do, but sometimes we forget that it's okay to do something for ourselves just for the sake that it makes us happy and whole and and like lets us breathe a little bit. And that's important for peace of mind as, you know, an employee, as a parent, you know, just to be able to kind of push the reset button for yourself is so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> now, Liz, we've talked about this before, but you have people on the other side. Of course, you've got angels on the other side, and you have some angel stories. I wonder if you could share those with our listeners. Yeah, so I kind of knew as a kid, like, I, I could hear and see, but I didn't know that I knew. Um, and so for a really long time, I turned that ability off, Um and so as part of this spiritual awakening, I started to see the lights and the orbs. Um, I can see when when they allow, I can see figures. Um, but there was a particular time I was having a conversation with my husband, and he had some traumatic situations happen to him as a kid. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that he was holding on to. Well, there was a conversation he and I were having one night. I happened to have my journal on my lap with a pen in my hand, and then I went to turn back to start writing something, and I, I ended up channeling his grandmother through automatic writing with basically a letter to him, which that was the first time that happened in terms of, like, literally being able to channel that message out. But it was a message for him that basically – Ultimately, he was in a situation where he wanted or was attempting. So my husband, when he was younger, had a lot of traumatic experiences happen. Um, And there came a point for him where he was contemplating suicide. And I remember him telling me that he, at one point, almost, he had a gun and was going, and thought he was going to use it. And there was a force inside of him that just, made him put that down and he never quite understood what happened there because it's not that he stopped feeling that deep dark sadness um and so in our marriage several years later many years later I should say we were having a conversation and through automatic writing I was actually able to channel and this wasn't something I was able to think about it just sort of happened where his grandmother came through from the other side and left a message to him saying, you know, thank you for not doing that. You know, I love you and I'm proud of you and it's going to be okay. And I was writing it and I, I was very much aware of what was happening, but not like solo, like freaked out by it in a way because I, it hadn't happened before. And when I was done, I could almost feel her leave the room and I looked at it and I said I think this is for you and it was 
it was a very, very powerful moment for him to make that connection with her because I know she passed at a time in his life when he really wasn't able to say goodbye. And he had a lot of regret for that for a really long time. So, you know, it was, I was honored that I could help facilitate that in some way for him and for her. So, yeah. Isn't that amazing? Had you ever done any automatic writing or anything before? Not really, but I, so no, that was like the first time that that really happened. And at this point, I I know for me, when I have a question, I'll put a question on paper now that I'm struggling with, and then like I'll just kind of open up to whatever my, you know, my higher self or I'll ask my team to come in and I'll say, you know, can you help me with this? And then all of a sudden the writing will come through. So now it's something that I practice a lot with. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that point, I I didn't quite understand. Right, uh, right. But it gets so much easier over time, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And And I know, I can tell looking back at journals, like what parts were really channeled messages. My writing will get very weird and and I feel I can almost feel the the presence of whomever it is that's guiding me and I can Mm -hmm. feel their passion for the message that they're sending me and the more that I can feel that and connect with that then I know it's like hey this is not that it's something I have to listen to but like it's almost like really need to tune into this like I don't know how to explain that but it's just yeah. The more passionate that message comes from them, it's like this is a big push for your life. So really yeah. pay attention. Well, I don't know if you get it this way too, but uh, what happens to me is if I don't bring through a message, spirit won't leave. And at the beginning, when you're learning these messages and you're learning how to bring it through, that can be a little nerve-wracking, right, to just go up to somebody and say, hey, you know, by the way, this person's been with me and they won't leave me alone and this is what they're trying to communicate to you. But that is what happens. So one of the first times that I brought through spirit for somebody else, it was um, a very distant family member who I had just reconnected with. He has been a pastor his entire life. And this woman from the other side was trying to come through to his wife to tell her that she was sorry because she had been very mean and I'd even say a little cruel to her here on earth, but she heavily needed to communicate the message of how sorry she was and realized through her life review on the other side that it had deeply impacted his wife. So um, going to this person who, you know, is family, but you're not very close with and right. and on top of everything is is a pastor and doesn't really believe in the work that I'm doing was was challenging but um this person on the other side would not leave me alone until I um actually had to call this person back and say so <laughs> I know we just talked but um this energy won't leave me alone and and I just have to bring through this message I'm sorry but and then once you do, the energy clears. Yeah. Yeah, it just it will resolve itself in a way. Yeah. 
Yeah, because the message has come through. The the work is done. And there's tremendous peace in that, right? I I feel like like once like you know your it's almost like mission complete. You get like that that ding, okay, done. But then there's peace. Yes, completely, completely. <laughs> yes, and that's why I love teaching the Angel School so much. You know, we're recording this on Friday, September 17th, and the Angel School is coming up this weekend. There's going to be another one in November that's actually halfway filled already. So if anybody's interested, definitely reach out and let me know so that I can hold your spot. That's actually Saturday, November 16th, and Sunday, November 17th. Those are coming up. Um, But... What I love about the Angel School is just how people learn, you know, what you and I had to kind of learn on our own at the beginning because we had this gift coming through and we didn't know how to work it at first. But putting together an entire program for people to understand from A to Z, how you bring the messages through, how you get to the detailed information, how you understand what you're feeling, who's communicating with you from the other side, it's all stuff that you have to learn in, a, in order to be able to to do it as an art, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I love that you offer the school for because for a number of reasons. One, like you said, there's all these things that you know it's a learning process to it because you're you're you may not realize what's happening when it starts to happen, <laughs> but right. there's also that support like you're there guiding them through the process so to have a Mm -hmm. teacher who can lead you through is so valuable um just so that you know you're not alone you can ask questions and you know you're not wrong for what you're feeling so you know you and i would likely feel the energy differently and to know that neither one of us is feeling it quote unquote wrong is huge. Like to know that and to have you there telling them, no, it's okay. That's just how it's presenting to you. Yeah. There's so much value in the, like that almost shortens the learning curve because you're turning off that part that tells you this is wrong. So. Yes, exactly. That's what so much of it is, is working through and understanding what is the egoic mind, the thoughts that you're thinking yourself every day, and what truly is spirit from the other side. And that's what we work through the entire time is understanding the difference. Awesome. I love yeah. it. I love it. I love it. Yay. Thank you. Um, so I want to ask you this. If you could sum up your book in three lessons, that people can learn and take into their lives, what would those be? Oh, okay. Let me think for a second. That's a really good question. So three lessons. One, it's a choice. So you have to ask yourself, am I ready to choose or will I choose it? You're worth it. And here is some suggestions for how you can get yourself to the point of being ready to believe that for yourself and three is the word that's coming through right now is love we're all here to love and we are love and recognize that you you know my my hope in this book is that the readers can can really understand that they are here to love themselves to love one another and that whatever it is that we've gone through does not have to leave us feeling stuck or lost. 
and everyone here on this earth right now is climbing a mountain of their own, but we can also still rally together and climb that mountain together. Mm-hmm. That's probably more than three things, but that had to be I said. love it, though. That's <laughs> perfect. That was definitely like I had someone up, you know, one of somebody from my team was like, no, love, love, love. Like it was just like pounding on my head right now. So I had to say that. Yeah. <laughs> so. Love it. Love it. Love it. If people um, want to find your book, where can they find it? Where can they buy it? It's called This is Where You Pivot by Elizabeth A. Miles. Yep. So it is available on Amazon uh, in paperback and uh, e-version. If there's any listeners out there who do not have a Kindle, they can certainly go to smashwords.com and also get an e-book version. It's also available there. If anyone wants to contact me, I also have copies that I can also send them. And if they want to connect with you, what's your website? So the website is www.healingconnection.us. Perfect, perfect. Um, Thank you, Elizabeth, so much for being on the show. I am just so excited for you and this book and your new journey. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to come on and chat with you. And, and um, you know, I I'm, appreciate the time that you've given me. And I hope everyone has a great, great afternoon. Oh, thank you. Friends, before you go, I wanted to let you know that Liz is letting us give away a free copy of her book. If you write a review, we are going to put you in a special drawing to win a free copy of her book. If you've already written a review on Facebook, Google, or right here on iTunes, That's amazing. Thank you so much. You are in the drawing. If you haven't written a review yet, now's your time. We're adding you in. Not only are we picking a winner this month to receive a free reading with me, but we're also giving away a copy of Liz's book. Also, friends, you know that the way that I keep this podcast going is by you booking a session. If you resonate with or feel called to have an angel message reading with me, I offer 25 and 55 minute readings. I also offer Reiki energy healing sessions. You can book those online on my website, www.jancis.com. That's my last name, .com. Friends, if this episode makes you think of somebody that you know or love, maybe it's a friend or a family member, please send them the link to listen to this podcast. It's also available over on YouTube in case you've got someone in your life who's not very skilled with the computers, with the cell phones, you can send them on over to YouTube to check it out as well. But the more you share this podcast with your friends, the more it grows. And I just thank you so, so much for that blessing of you sharing this podcast with others. Now I want you to just take a second, take a deep breath in, deep breath out. And I want you to just feel love surrounding you. I want you to feel love surrounding your entire auric field. Feel love surrounding your heart chakra, surrounding the outside and the inside of your heart. I want you to allow love to fill your entire mind, front to back, 
side to side, top to bottom. And this week, I just want you to focus on your breath and feeling this love more and more. My friends, your loved ones, your angels, your guides, they are always surrounding you. They are surrounding you with love. They are trying to work miracles in your life. And the more that you are open to those miracles by shifting your energy, shifting your vibration higher, the more that they can do for you. So take some time this week and when you think about it, as you're doing and moving throughout your day, or maybe perhaps you have some time to just be still and relax, what I want you to do is come back to your breath and just breathe in deeply and exhale deeply. Continue to do this over and over. Just breathe in and deepen and lengthen those breaths. And as you do this, if you are able to add in that secondary component of feeling that love surround your entire being, surround your heart, surround your mind, it is going to help you come into a higher vibration to shift out of the anxiety of your day-to-day. And when you shift into that higher vibration, you're able to connect so more clearly, so more easily with your angels, guides, and loved ones on the other side. So if you could just practice that for us this week, they are so grateful for that. My friends, they love you so much. I love you so much. Please open up your heart to all of those unexpected blessings, those miracles that they are trying to bring into your life right now. Until Thursday, I am sending you peace, bliss, and many, many blessings.